This podcast is sponsored by Mysis. Mysis is at the forefront of the financial software industry, providing the broadest portfolio of banking, capital markets, investment management, and risk solutions available on the market. With more than 2,000 customers in 130 countries, Mysis's team of domain experts, combined with the partner ecosystem, have an unparalleled ability to address industry requirements at both global and local level. To learn more about how the Mysis Fusion software portfolio, including Fusion Capital and Fusion Risk, can deliver a holistic view of your operations and help you to solve your most complex challenges, you can visit www.mysis.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. The European Market Infrastructure Regulation, or EMIR, was launched in 2012, but there are still loose ends to be tied up in terms of the CCP clearing obligation, front-loading, and other regulatory rules this new regulation introduces. Meanwhile, the Central Securities Depository Regulation, or CSDR, only came into force in 2014 to help harmonize settlement in Europe along T2S or Target 2 securities. In this DerivSource podcast, Ran Pieris, an analyst with Solens Capital Markets Practice and author of a new report on this very topic, discusses the different impact these two regulations will have on the technology and operations of CSDs and CCPs. Here is DerivSource reporter, Lynn Strong and Dodds speaking to Ran Pieris. Thank you very much for making the time to speak to us. The questions I will be asking will be based on the research and your report. Uh, the first question is What impact will EMIR and the CSDR regulation have on the services delivered by CCPs and CSDs? Hi, Lynn. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Well, to understand the impact, we need to understand a few things about the two regulations. EMEA has been in motion since 2012, and what we are seeing now are the last few provisions linked to EMEA. The first is the clearing obligation, which is about the mandatory clearing of OTC asset classes, such as IRS, CDS, FX, and commodity, via CCP. And linked to this is a requirement for front-loading where existing OTC contracts would need to be centrally cleared. This is going to only apply to Category 1 and Category 2 firms. Now, Category 1 firms are firms that are directly linked to CCPs, while Category 2 firms are firms that are clients of Category 1 firms. The second provision is the bilateral margining of non-centrally cleared OTC derivatives. In this case, it becomes necessary for any OTC instruments that can't be standardized so as to be cleared via CCP to be margined by a third party. At first, this may will be based on variation margin, followed by the introduction of initial margin at later stages. Now, CCPs who have already been authorized and can clear IRS and CDS instruments won't have to update many of their systems in respect of the clearing obligation. So effectively, they are pretty much okay right now, and they can just take in the new IRS and CDS instruments when they come in. 
from what I have heard, it seems that any extra demand rising from the clearing obligation, which is very likely to happen, and the related requirements for front-loading could easily be dealt by the CCPs. CCPs who have not been authorized for these specific products, and there are quite a few out there, will naturally not have been providing a clearing function for them. So they would need to invest in systems and processes to clear these. The bilateral margining of non-centrally cleared trades is now outside the scope of CCPs. So effectively, it isn't something they're going to cover. But one of the requirements of this provision is to have a third party holding on to the collateral. And this might mean that third parties such as custodians and CSDs would be playing a role in holding on to this collateral. The general sense I got was that EMEA's impact on CCPs has become historical and CCPs have adapted to the changes and were now preparing to rationalize the services that they can provide. So this could be new account structures. For example, you might have fund accounts, which are OSA, ISA accounts. You could have new products being introduced so that uh, you could actually clear them via CCPs. Now, when, let's move on to CSDR. CSDR came into force in September 2014 with the consultation ending in February 2015 and the draft technical standard expected to be delivered by ESMA in June 2015. So it's this year, basically. So it's a relatively new regulation, but already it's had an impact in that the settlement cycle has moved to T plus 2 in most of Europe. The two provisions that have an impact on post-trade services are the standard on settlement discipline and the penalties for settlement fails. ESMA effectively is trying to harmonize the standards for settlement in Europe when technically settlement will move into the T2S platform over the next three years. The standardization in the CSD services means that you could go to the various CSDs and find that what they are offering becomes generally the same. So the question for you then is who will be the best partner in helping you achieve your particular goals? The other requirements, such as using legal entity identifiers, which are short for LEIs, client records, mandatory book entry of transferable securities will require system changes on the part of CSDs, but will not change the services that are provided by the CSDs. Against that backdrop, what do firms need to do on an operational and technological level to prepare? Well... EMEA has required CCPs to introduce new account structures such as OSAs and ISAs. It's made them define their operational structures and to apply to become authorized as a CCP. When looking at the remaining provisions for EMEA, those who already provide clearing services for any asset classes undergoing the clearing obligation won't have to do much. But CCPs who want to increase their asset coverage will have to introduce systems and processes to expand their services. My understanding is that CCPs are through most of the changes for EMEA, and now it is a matter of rationalizing the services that they're offering to their clients, such as account structures and increasing product ranges. So what I can see is that most of the work behind EMEA has been completed by CCPs. And there's, you know, it's a matter of just waiting for the clearing obligations taking in the extra volume, which from what I can understand, what they're saying, the CCPs, they can easily handle. And any CCPs who want to actually expand their product range will have to apply 
for uh, the ability, the authorization to actually cover those asset classes. So, you know, there's not much really left when it comes to EMEA. If we move to CSDR, there are six things that need to be covered by the CSDs. The first is there will be a new record-keeping requirement. So CSDs will need to use legal entity identifiers, LEIs, for regulatory reporting and for their own record. Right now, CSDs who do not have access to LEIs will have to adopt these into their system. So that's the first. The second is that CSDs will be asked to keep a record of the direct participants as well as their, their participant clients. Most CSDs keep records of direct participants. So introducing records of client participants and also updating this will require ongoing operational processes and systems. Third, late penalties are based on a prescriptive set of rules, and CSDs will need to maintain a database of instruments to know how to apply the late settlement charges. Also, CSDR requires that any settlement charge be wholly passed on to the counterparty who has made the loss. And right now, some CSDs use this charge as a form of revenue, so this might impact their bottom line. Both CSDs will have to get more involved in the buy-in process by collecting data on buy-ins, adopting buy-in agents, and preventing multiple buy-ins. Buy-ins are something that have normally been carried out by CCPs and exchanges, so CSDs will have to introduce new procedures and systems to cope with this requirement. Fifth, CSDR is going to slowly introduce a book entry of all transferable securities. In reality, this is far off as all securities will have to be dematerialized by 2025. So it's quite a long way off. And from what I can see, it's really the action of the national governments that are needed to make this possible. And sixth and last, CSDR is going to introduce a non-discriminatory access to CCPs and trading venues. CSDs will have to decide on the cost and benefits of this, and I suspect that the most successful CSDs will not shirk away from expanding their networks. So that's pretty much what I can see on the CCP and CSD side from uh, these changes on technology and on procedures. The next question really focuses on the growing competition in the CSD space with new initiatives such as the LSEG Globe Settle, BNY Mellon CSD, as well as Northern Trust joining forces with Avian Amro Clearing to provide a clearing custody and collateral management solution. Do you think this will follow other market trends when there has been increased competition and then the eventual consolidation? That's really interesting because it seems like it's standard practice that change in the regulatory sphere. For example, if you look at when MIFID came, came in, leads to the fragmentation of the system followed by their consolidation. So exactly. I remember all these other you know, exchanges that came on, for example, Turquoise, BATS, CHIX, and all they came along. And you know, BATS, CHIX, those two got merged. And then you had uh, Turquoise becoming part of uh, the London Stock Exchange. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, there is a possibility of that. But when I look at CCPs, there's been a move for consolidation for quite some time. And if you look at the CCPs with the largest volume in Europe, they tend to be part of vertical silos. So I think that's already kind of been taking place. So there might be more consolidation over the next few years, but already they seem to be structured within these 
clear vertical silo. So, you know, unless there's going to be takeovers between them, who knows, you know, I think they will continue as they are. And when I think about the introduction of new CSDs, I think it's more related to the T2S system, where these new entrants are seeking to use the direct connection that's available through T2S to leverage their business. So effectively, they're just trying to secure the existing business they have, and they're trying to make sure that they can you know, provide all the services that their clients need. For example, when you're looking at BNY with um, Northern Trust joining on uh, LSCG Globe Settle, I think what they're trying to do is just you know, make sure they keep hold of what they're doing, plus expand. But T2S basically allows it, and I don't think it's really much to do with CSDR right now. But, you know, saying that, I think the CSDR has a role in the harmonization. And I can see three possibilities, possible outcomes here from the harmonization. So the first possibility that I can see is that the smallest CSDs are going to consolidate with the largest CSDs and ICSDs. So they can share systems and they can leverage their local regulatory knowledge. And I find this to be the most likely outcome right now. There's quite a lot of very small CSDs out there, and it would probably be in their interest to actually just become part of a larger group and have access to more systems and so on. The second possibility is that the smaller CSDs reduce the provision of any operationally expensive ancillary services while keeping their independence, and these moving, these services actually moving to the better resource CSDs and custodians. This will mean that smaller CSDs might only exist due to national requirements and because they supply a local knowledge to larger CSDs and custodians. And the last possibility that I can think of is that possible survival of these smaller CSDs by them sharing technology and infrastructure and data expertise. And I don't think that's very likely to actually happen. How do you think the new rules will impact the services offered by post-trade service providers. Do you think there'll be more opportunities for the custodians who are hoping to leverage their businesses to take advantage of the new rules? Yeah, this is, this is quite an interesting point. When it comes to post-trade providers and when you look at EMEA, I think there's two real possibilities here. And that'll always depend on how big the participants are that connect up to CCP clearing services. The larger participants are a group, they are going to actually require the use of multiple CCPs throughout Europe. And they might find the services of uh, a post-trade provider to consolidate their positions are crucial to successfully manage their risk and regulatory requirements. And the smaller participants, who are the second group, will require the use of a single CCP, and most CCPs actually give a good service anyway, and they will be able to use the services offered by that CCP rather than using the services of post-trade providers to manage their positions and risk. The other thing I mentioned earlier on was that front-loading. So front-loading will mean that existing OTC trades will have to be moved to CCPs, and that's going to require participants to analyze their positions and then to clear with a CCP. Now, we already have service providers who help with risk mitigation by way of compression, and there could be opportunities here to help clients analyze how they could reduce any basis risk that are related to the front-loading requirement. 
Now, if we move on to CSDR, I think there's already a need to make sure that the matching and reconciliation are carried out as soon as possible. Now, when you've got fines, that's what's going to be needed. Now, with settlement discipline and fines being in the wings, it becomes more important that issues with any transactions can be identified very quickly and then can be solved as soon as possible. Now, the way I see it, CSDs are going to have a hard time. To answer your question on custodians, they are going to have to cope with T2S and CSDR, and the larger custodians are in a sweet spot to expand as they have a complete view of the market infrastructure and they won't be as heavily burdened by the regulatory changes. They're generally well-resourced and also, I believe, closer to the end clients. I think there are opportunities for custodians who choose their clearing and settlement partner to offer buy-side clients the ability to optimize their portfolios, especially when collateral is becoming very important. As always with regulation, what do you think are the unintended consequences? The question is if either of these regulations will make these institutions too big to fail. And the way I say it, they already have for CCPs and with CSDRs, it's only a matter of time before they begin to consolidate and a few institutions come to play a central role in custody. Also, we have to consider that collateral is becoming more important and it's these two institutions that will be providing and taking it. And CCPs don't rehypothecate, so liquidity will be removed from the market. The way I see it, custodians might provide a useful way to get hold of collateral with their links to buy-side firms, so they might play an important role freeing up this collateral. This might be beneficial when it comes to clearing non-centrally cleared trades as they become the intermediaries that find liquidity. And finally, looking farther down the road, when all the dust is settled, how do you think the European post-trade landscape will unfold? That's hard to say if I had a crystal ball. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think post-trade will generally be undergoing some initial fragmentation. It it seems to be just a standard model where you've got a bit of fragmentation and then the new players come in. You can already see that in the CSDs landscape. And, you know, over time, you will have them actually, you know, consolidating. To me, the impact of CSDI is to basically harmonize the manner in which CSDs conduct business in Europe. So I think market participants will generally tend to drift to the service providers that provide the most joined up solutions. This means that in the longer term, obviously, there's going to be less CSDs and CCPs. But then, you know, that's quite an obvious answer. The question is, who's going to actually be the successful ones? Who are, you know, what are the indicators of who are the successful ones? So that's maybe something to look at later on in a further report. Also, I have to mention one other thing, actually. I was thinking about this, and someone actually introduced me to this idea. And it's uh, about the new technologies that could actually make CSDs and CCPs redundant, maybe way, way off in time. And I can see that, you know, Bitcoin, blockchain, are becoming sources of disruption. And, you know, if you look at the idea of smart contracts as well, I think, you know, these ideas actually have the potential of disrupting the whole business model of uh, CCPs and CSDs. But right now, it is at a very immature stage, so we can't say how long it might take. But, you know, I, I think it will eventually get there where these smart contracts and the blockchain might have a big impact on the CSD and CCP business. 
Well, thank you very much for such a comprehensive view of the regulation. It's been much appreciated. To RaveSource listeners, if you would like more information on this topic, you can find links to the report and transcript of this podcast via our podcast notes page, which is available on DriveSource.com and also via our app. Thank you for listening. Join us next time. 